junior, senior high, it's time for you to head out to your class. Uh, I believe Jeff is, is back there already, so if you're still in here, uh, go on out and follow Jeff um, every single week. I think I, I uh, am consistent in missing that. Um, last week, we began a series, you know, when, when pigs fly, and it's an expression that, that you would use when you're talking about something that's extremely unlikely to happen, you know, and, and you know, the, that's the title of this series because we're talking about series on different types of miracles, and by miracles, we mean something that's not going to happen without the direct intervention of God. You know, when God intervenes on earth, it's, you know, when he, it's when an all-powerful, all-knowing, you know, ever-present God intervenes in our lives in an unexpected and unforeseen way, in a way that we could not do ourselves. Uh, it, it, you know, if, it's not, if God doesn't do it, it's not going to happen, that, that kind of thing. Last week, we talked about miracles of deliverance, you know, when, when we use the authority that God gives us to, gives to every single believer to, to set people free from the influence and oppression of evil spirits. And we talked about, you know, the fact that we, you know, there's a spiritual world around us, that surround us. And, you know, we looked at where Paul talked about this in Ephesians 6.12, where he says, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You know, as we look through the Gospels, we see that many times the source of people's suffering was evil spirits that Jesus would free them from, would cast them out and free them from. Often, as you read through the Gospels, you see that. You know, when, when they were commanded to go, they left and the people were free. Today, we're going to talk about miracles of healing. How many think it's ironic that the week we're talking about miracles of healing is the week that I lose my voice? <clears throat> it's been gone for two days. Yesterday was the worst. I couldn't even talk this much. I tell you, you know, the worst part of all this, we're worshiping, and I want to just sing my lungs out. I want to just worship God. I just want to sing my lungs out. And I'm sitting there having to talk, loud, you know, just sing like no louder than this because I can't sing any louder. That's, that hurts. Uh, but anyway, we're talking about miracles of healing. Um, now, when we talk about healing, there's a number of things that come to mind, number of ways that, that God heals, um, and, and they're all good, right? When God heals, no matter what way he uses, it's good. You know, um, uh, for instance, uh, often he uses medical means. I mean, he gave us the, he gave us the knowledge. He gave doctors the knowledge in the medical field, the knowledge and, and the medicine to, to be able to, to, uh, 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 to, to, to treat and even prevent various diseases uh, through means of doctors, medicine. He gave us, you know, physical therapy. God gives us the knowledge for those things, you know, so... Sometimes healing comes through the medical field. Another way that God heals is through prayer of intercession. We pray and ask God to heal a person who's afflicted with some disease or some condition. Usually, you know, we combine this. Hopefully, we combine this with the medical field. I mean, we don't just trust in medicine. 
You know, we, while we do the medicine, we say, God, I want you to heal this person, you know. And uh, 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 several years ago when our granddaughter Lily got a, a mass on her lung, um, you know, we uh, rushed her to Riley Hospital when they found it and had her admitted and all that. And they were doing all these tests trying to figure out what it was. Took a while for them to figure out what it was, but they finally did and started treating her. And they, they said, okay, we're going to send you home, but we're going to send you home with a prescription. You need to take this medicine, which, you know, they, 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 it, it, that, that's what we did. Treated her medically all the time. We're praying like crazy, you know, and we see some improvement. And they said, now, you know, we're seeing some improvement in this, but you need to know something from here on out for the rest of her life. Whenever she gets an x-ray, they're going to be able to see where that was. You know, it's not going to completely, that mass won't completely disappear. You'll be able to see it. So, you know, we're doing the medicine thing. We're, we're um, you know, praying like crazy and that. And then the day came when they released her from their care and said, she's done. No more. Don't, you know, you don't need to bring her up here anymore. Don't need to see her anymore. And they showed us the x-ray and said, we can't even see where that was. Showed us the two x-rays side by side, the before and the after. Said, we can't even see where that, where that was. That, that doesn't happen. And, and you know, it was, it, it was God. I mean, did he use the medicine? Yes, he used the medicine. Did he answer prayer? Yes, he answered prayer. You know, how much was which uh, uh, of what? I don't know. And on matter, I just know that my granddaughter was well, you know, and that's what, that's what mattered. So, you know, there's a number of ways, you know, medicine, the medical field, and also inter- prayers of, of intercession where we, you know, say, God, we bring somebody up, we hold somebody up to the Lord and say, we, you know, ask you to heal this person. <clears throat> and then there's another method that I want to talk about this morning, and that is a prayer of, uh, of command. A prayer of command. This is times when rather than praying over a period of time, you know, uh, asking God to, you know, Lord, come and heal this person, you know, take their fever away, take, you know, to, to, you know bring healing in their, their organs or whatever. Rather than that, a short prayer is made where you tell the condition to go or the body to be healed and you see the healing like that. Or maybe partial, and then you do it again, and then again, and then you see it like that. It's, it's pretty much immediate. It happens very quickly. For example, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus went to Simon Peter's house, and Simon Peter's uh, 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 mother-in-law was sick with a fever. What did Jesus do? Jesus rebuked the fever and it was gone. He rebuked it. He just he said, "Fever, go," and the fever left. Um, this kind of prayer would fall under the category of miracles of healing, and that's what I want to look at today. That kind of prayer, that kind of healing, not to negate the other means, but to focus on this one. You know, however God wants to heal. However, he does it. I'm thankful that he heals. But this is the one that I want to focus on today because this is the one that usually gets ignored the most. I want to start with something that happened right here in this room um, 
a month ago. In fact, it was a month ago today. Um, our School of Kingdom Ministry class was um, was meeting and <clears throat> the uh, had the students line up and we just prayed for them. Lord, we ask you to, to you know, give gifts of healing, working of miracles, gifts of faith, and and that and the, and the students. We just do you know, one by one by one of those prayers. We had ever lined up. Now, Lord, give, give release gifts of healing right now into this group. And then we did gifts of of uh, uh, working of miracles and, and faith, and um, I mean, you know, we did that, and and people sensed the presence of God and so forth. And then we thought, okay. Now we're going to put it into practice. Who here would like to uh, receive prayer for healing? And several people raised their hand. I know Ellen was one. Uh, Lisa was one. There were, there were some others. You know, raised their hand and, and said, okay, what we did is we pulled out, we like to call this the hot seat. We pulled out the hot seat. And suddenly he's facing the other way. I'm going to face it this way, though. <laughs> Pulled out the hot seat and said, okay, have a seat. And, uh, you know, who's first? And uh, Lisa says, well, Ellen, El- you know, let Ellen go first. And, and Ellen goes, no, no, let, you know, Lisa, you go first. So, okay. So Lisa sits down in the chair, and the School of Kingdom Ministry students gather around her to pray. I mean, they were all gathered around. And, you know, I, uh, like Pam, uh, Pam Rude was at Lisa's right hand right here. And Ellen was back here uh, behind Lisa's left shoulder. So they were like opposite and people were filling in. And we started to pray. And as we started to pray, um, you know, we prayed. You know, there were prayers of intercession and so forth. But there's also a particular prayer of command. And um, Ellen, do you want to come up and tell the story from here? Be sure to talk right into the mic. You got to hold it right up there, like you're eating it. <laughs> I should have known better. <laughs> we, it's like you said, we were all standing around praying for Lisa, and uh, I don't remember. I think Pam might have been the one praying at the time, and and we were praying for you know skin issues. And she was starting to pray and had mentioned several things. And all of a sudden, she hit on rosacea. And it was almost like a question. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. I suffer from ocular rosacea. It gets in my eyes. And, the you know, you got medicine that you can use, but it's a salve. It's like scooping up a big wad of Vaseline and rubbing in your eyes. And now you try to see through that. And it it was getting bad again, and it was getting where I could see, but I couldn't see real well, and, you know, this goopy stuff comes out of your eyes, and it's just gross. But whenever she said rosacea, I was. I was stunned. It's like, whoa, that's what I need. And before we were done praying, the scoop was just sliding out of my eyes, and it's like, oh, this is too weird. I had to take my glasses off to wipe it off. It was just, and it's like, oh, my gosh. When I go to the eye doctor and get my eyes cleaned, it's a couple of days before I think I see right. This was instant. It's like, oh, I can see the flowers in your thing. Oh, look at the pattern in your shirt. It was just instantaneous. 
how clear and precise. Now, why she didn't pray for me to get rid of my glasses, I don't know. But, <laughs> hey, I'll take what I can get. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. I, it's, it's interesting. Uh, and, you know, that was just a month ago today. It was a month ago today. And interesting thing is when Pam was praying... When Pam was praying, she just got this word of knowledge and started praying against Rosacea. And, and what she said was, you know, Rosacea, I just tell you to go right now in Jesus' name. And I'm sitting there thinking, Lisa doesn't have Rosacea. Because Ellen hadn't said anything at first. She didn't say anything until after we were done. And say, oh, she didn't have Rosacea. You know, that, that's not what we're praying for. But, oh, well, you know. And, and she was commanded to go. And, and you know, we... we you know, wrapped up praying, and I asked Lisa, okay, well, well, you sensing anything, anything going on here? She goes, I just really sense the peace and presence of God. You know, there's uh, no healing that we could discern or anything there, but she really sensed the peace and presence of God, and that's good. But then we said, who's next? And Ellen goes, I'm healed. She goes, I can see. I can see. And I said, that's nice. No, she said, I can see, <coughs> I wish I could talk, I can see clear, I can see you clearly. And I said, okay. And she goes, you don't understand. I have ocular rosacea. And, and I thought, what in the world? None of us had ever heard about that before. And then she explains what she just explained. And, you know, it, it's like, why things happened that way, I don't know. I mean, when we start talking about this, we get more questions than we have answers. We don't pretend to know it all, but we know this, that God has called his church to pray. God has called and has given authority and power to the church to heal the sick. And, and you know, this... Um, um, This was, is an instance right here of what we're talking about when there's a command that's given and someone is healed. You know, uh, uh, Pam received a word of knowledge, uh, but it wasn't for Lisa, who we were praying for. It was Ellen, you know, and wh like I said, why, I don't know. Um, and yet Ellen, Ellen was healed. You know, God can heal through any kind of means and methods that he wants, medicine and answer to intercessory prayer, sometimes over time, sometimes very quickly or immediately. What I want to look at now is if we're talking about healing, I want to look in the Bible and, and, and just give a few examples of how Jesus healed. How did Jesus heal the sick? What's his model for healing? I started looking at this about a year or two ago, actually. And I you know I went through the Gospels and Acts. And in one of my Bibles, I went through the Gospel and Acts, and I started highlighting everything uh, on where Jesus healed the sick or the disciples healed the sick in orange. I started putting it, and you can go through that Bible now and look through and see all the orange in the Gospels in the book of Acts. And... and uh, some were summary statements where it says something like in, 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 in Matthew 20, uh, 4, 23, it says, he healed every kind of disease and illness. Okay, that's a summary statement. We're not given a whole lot of detail of how he did that. He just did it. 
<coughs> and other times we're given more detail. It's interesting to note, though, Jesus never prayed asking his father to heal anyone. Did you get that? Jesus never prayed asking his father to heal someone. We don't have any record where Jesus ever prayed, Father in heaven, I ask you to come right now and heal this man of his leprosy. Father in heaven, I ask you to come right now and open up this deaf man's ears. Or Father in heaven, I ask you to come right now and restore sight to this blind person. There's nothing wrong with praying that way. I pray that way. I think we should pray that way. But that's not the only way we should pray. It's, 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 it's just that when we look at Jesus' model, that's not the way he prayed. Let's look at some examples and notice what Jesus did in each one. Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. And Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing. Be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. He, he touched him and just said, be healed. He didn't say, Father, heal this. He touched him, he said, be healed. Matthew 12, 13, Jesus said to a man with a deformed hand, he said, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored just like the other one. Mark chapter 5, verse 41, 42, Jesus spoke to a 12-year-old girl who had died. And, and <clears throat> holding up her, her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. They didn't say, Father, this girl died before her time. Raise her up. Just said, little girl, time to get up. Luke chapter 7, verses 14 and 15. Jesus dropped uh, or stopped a funeral procession of a young man. It says, then he walked over to the coffin, touched it, and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. And then the dead boy sat up and, and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. See, when Jesus healed people, he didn't ask the Father to do it. He used the authority that the Father had already given him, and he healed the sick. He commanded the sickness to be gone, or he declared that the person was well, or he touched the person or he gave, per, or gave the person something to do, like hold out your hand or go wash in the pool of Siloam, something, gave them something to do. Never do we have record of him saying, Father, I ask you to come and heal this person. The Father had already given him the power and authority to do it. When Jesus, did, when Jesus healed people, he, he, he did it using the authority given to him by the Father and the power available to him by the Holy Spirit, the same power that's available to us. If we want to minister like Jesus did, I think the key is to know our identity and to know our, our authority. Because if we don't know who we are in Christ, we're not going to be able to be effective in using our authority that he gives us. 
because our authority comes from our relationship, our position in Christ. And if we're constantly questioning our relationship with Jesus, we're not going to be able to operate in the authority that he gives us. But he has given us, thank you, he has given us, um, yeah, my throat's a little off. I feel fine. I just can't talk. Um, I won't ask how many are glad about that. But anyway, <clears throat> he, you know, um, if, we're, if we're constantly questioning on a relationship with Jesus, we're not going to be able to operate in the authority. But the question is, though, we say Jesus did this. Do we have the same authority? Do you and I have the same authority that Jesus had that we can go to somebody and say, be healed, and see them be healed? Good question. Jesus did it, but does he expect you and I to do it? Let's look at Luke chapter 9. Starts off, one day Jesus called together his 12 disciples, these are the apostles, and he gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He said, you know, take, take nothing for your journey. He instructed them, don't take, don't take a walking stick or a traveler's bag or food or money or change of clothes. Wherever you go, you know, stay in the same house. In other words, receive their hospitality. Stay in the same house until you leave the town. And if a town refuses to welcome you, just shake the dust off your feet and, and, and leave to show them that, you know, you've abandoned those people to their fate. So they began their circuit of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. So here we have Jesus telling the 12 apostles, tell them the kingdom of God has come, heal the sick. Kingdom of God has come. The arrival of the kingdom of God was good news. It was good news. It meant that God has come and he's taking over. His rule is now, has now come. And he said to demonstrate the kingdom of God, demonstrate that God's rule and reign had come by healing the sick. I want you to notice something here. <clears throat> Jesus didn't say, announce the kingdom of God and pray for the sick. He told them, announce the kingdom of God and heal the sick. There is a difference there's a difference. And it was, well, how can we do that? They're, I'm sure they're thinking, how can they do The thing is, they can't. They can't in their own power or authority. But Jesus gave them power and authority. Unless you think that was just for the apostles, I want you to turn to the next chapter, Luke. Luke chapter 10 says, the Lord now chose 72 other disciples. So you've got the 12 that he sent out. Now there's 72 others. So that, we've got a total of what, 84? Is that right? Yes, 84. I had to check my math. 72 other disciples and sent them ahead, and it'd be awful if I missed that because my mom was a math teacher. And if I can't add 12 and 72, I'm in trouble. But that's another story. Um, anyway, uh, sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great but the workers are few. And he said, you know, in other words, there's a lot to do, guys. We need a lot more people involved in this. The harvest is great, but there's not enough workers. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field and now go. He says in verse 9, 
heal the sick, and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. Heal the sick, announce the kingdom. Both. He's telling the 72 others the same instructions that he, t- that he gave to the 12. Healing was a sign that the kingdom of God had come in their midst. That God had come and that he was taking over. Healing was a sign that the kingdom of God had arrived. It was then and it is now. It's a sign of the kingdom. Then look at Matthew 28. Jesus came and said to them, this is after the resurrection. He's getting ready to ascend into heaven. It says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. What did Jesus command them to do? Among other things, there were a number of things, but among other things, he commanded them to go out and announce the kingdom and heal the sick. To announce the kingdom and to heal the sick. As disciples today, we are to do the same thing that he told the disciples back then to do. This has been passed down through the centuries from generation to generation of believer. This is the work of the kingdom. We're to announce the arrival of the kingdom, say it's here, God's taking over, and to heal the sick. Not just pray for the sick, but heal the sick. Take authority over it. Now, we tend to hesitate with that because we're afraid it won't work. And we're afraid to look foolish. Have you ever been there? Yeah. We're afraid to look foolish. We're, we're afraid to take the risk. We don't, you know, we, we don't, what if it doesn't work? Quite frankly, I've prayed for a lot of people that haven't been healed. And I've prayed for some that have. But I know if I would have never prayed for anybody, I never would have seen anybody healed. John Wimber used to say, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. It's not faith unless you're willing to take a risk. Unless you're willing to put, you know, your, your money where your mouth is. I want to talk about faith for just a minute. Because I think we have some confused ideas about that. <clears throat> the role that faith plays in all of this. In Mark 10, I'm going to read through a few scriptures first and then just give you a few observations Mark 10, verses 51, 52, a blind man came up to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. And I think that's an important question because a lot of times we can be comfortable in our situation and so comfortable that we really don't want the change because it means we'll have to change some things about our, our lives. So, you know, but he said, what do you want me to do for you? And... Where was I? Yeah, and the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. This is what I want. I want to see, and I know you can do it. I want to see. <coughs> Go, Jesus said. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Mark chapter 6. 
Jesus left the part of the country he was in. He returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. Then verse 5, it says, and because of their unbelief, he couldn't do anything, any, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Hometown, couldn't really do much. Matthew 15, 28, a Gentile woman came to Jesus asking him to heal her daughter and after a brief conversation with her, Jesus said, dear woman, your faith is great. Your request is granted and her daughter was instantly healed. Give you just a few observations about the role of faith. One, Jesus responds to faith. He responds to faith. There's no doubt faith is important, both for the person that's praying and for the person that's being prayed for. Remember the story with the guy, you know, Jesus in his home, and, 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 and people come, and it's all crowded around the house, people trying to get in, and some men had come away carrying their friend on a mat. And they couldn't get in through the door because of all the people. So they climbed up on the roof, opened up a hole in the roof, and lowered the man down. It says when Jesus saw their faith. Sometimes it's faith of the person that's receiving the healing. Sometimes it's the faith of the person that's praying. Sometimes it's the faith of friends and those that have gathered around. But faith is key. It is important. <clears throat> you know, you... so. You know, many times throughout the Gospels, Jesus tells someone, according to your faith, let it be done to you. In other words, you got the faith for it, then you've got the answer. That's what Jesus said to the blind man in Mark 10. He responds to faith. However, and this is really important that you get this, at the same time, while Jesus said, according to your faith, let it be done to you, Jesus never sent anyone away for lack of faith. Never. He rebuked the disciples for their unbelief, but he never sent anybody away that came to him for healing. He never sent them away for lack of faith. And that's important because in some circles, um, uh, if someone is not healed, it's become popular to blame the fact that, that, that they're not healed on the person for not having, la for not having enough faith. Well, you just don't have enough faith for it. That is wrong on so many different levels. It's harmful to the person. It's, it's bad theology. We never send anyone away telling them they didn't have enough faith. I'd rather say, I'm sorry, my faith's not in the right place. I, I, you know, you know, but we never send somebody else and say, away and say, you don't have enough faith. Come back when you've got it. Third observation Jesus was limited by an atmosphere of unbelief. He was limited when he was surrounded by an atmosphere of unbelief. Um, we saw that in Mark 6 when Jesus went to Nazareth. There was such a strong atmosphere of unbelief in the town that he couldn't do anything but heal a few sick people. Faith, expectation, things like that are important. And I would say that the, so much of the atmosphere of 
our country, it'd be like the atmosphere of Nazareth. Because we so often run into a where that we just don't have the expectation. I think it's good to feed our faith. You know, we don't ever blame anybody for lack of faith, but for myself, I want to feed my faith. It's not like we need a ton of faith. It's not like we can work up faith. It's not like we get this high level of faith. Jesus said, if your faith is like a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be cast into the sea, and it'll, it'll, it'll go. Just the smallest amount of faith. But I want to feed that faith in me. How do I do that? One is I get into the scriptures, and I read about Jesus, and I read about his father, and I read about their relationship. And I read about the relationship that God wants to have with me. I read about the love that he has for me. I, 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 um, I'm not sure how I want to say this. <clears throat> I stopped believing ridiculous things like well, God wants me sick because he wants to teach me this or wants to teach me that. Baloney. Baloney. Did you ever see any see Jesus? You ever read where he said to anybody, you know, God's teaching you something in this, so we're going to leave you in your condition a little while longer. The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, right? That word save is the word sozo. And in the Greek, that word means, you know, it's both talking about, about salvation and healing. It's talking about life in the full. Saying he came to seek and to save that which was lost, to seek and to give everything to, that which is, to, to, to those who are lost. God gets no pleasure out of seeing the suffering in people's lives. God gets no pleasure out of seeing the sickness that has come on people. God gets no pleasure of seeing us just struggle along. Say, well, why aren't we healed all the time? I am still trying to figure that out. I've got some thoughts, I've got some answers that I've come up with, but really, I'm still working on it. All I know is that this, God is good. He does not throw sickness at us because we do something wrong because we've fallen on our face and, and, and just, you know, so, oh, you really screwed up there. Boom, there's some sickness. That's not God. God gets joy out of seeing people freed from their suffering, freed from, their, from, from sickness, freed from illness. And, and, you know, when Jesus came, when, when Jesus walked this earth, 
he went around demonstrating the power of the kingdom of God and, and seeing people set free from illness. He told the 12 disciples to, to go out and do the same thing. The kingdom of God is here, now go heal people. 72, the kingdom of God is here, now go heal people. He goes to the grave, he raises on, he's, he's raised on the third day, and he gets ready to go to heaven. He goes, now go tell everybody, to do, you know, teach everybody to do what I've told you to do, what I've already just showed you and talked to you to do. We may not have it all figured out yet, but we're in a journey and we're in a process of, of moving in that direction. I think, personally, I think we need to start stepping out more and, you know, praying for God's discernment, praying for God's direction and all that. But I think more and more of our prayers need to be prayers of command where we're telling a condition, telling a, 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 a sickness to go and not just saying, okay, Father, you come and do this but where we take authority that's been given to us. Now, you know, one of the things that, that about healing is, you know, School of Kingdom Ministries teaching an integrated approach to healing. Um, and, and sometimes there are other things that need to be happen, that need to happen first before someone is healed. It's, it, it's like these layers of things and you take care of the things on the top layer, then, you know, the physical healing there, then you get to a point where you just command it to go and it'll go. I don't have it all figured out. I don't know anybody that does. But I'm doing what I can to learn. And I would challenge each of you, do what you can to learn. Because God wants his church to go out into the community. It's one thing to pray here, you know, and, 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 and um, um, pray for healing. God wants us to go out in the community. He wants us to go out into our jobs and take a risk and pray for somebody. There's a ministry called Healing on the Streets. Are you familiar with it? Anybody hear of it? Healing on the Streets. It's, it's, it's an awesome ministry. They go out into the streets and ask people how they can pray for them. And they ask God to give them words of knowledge, you know, and, and they'll go up to somebody they've never met before and, and, and you know, ask, do, do, do you, you know, talk to them for a little bit, uh, uh, get some conversation going and, hey, do you, you got a problem with, with you know, your, your, your neck or your back or, or this or that or, or is there a situation in your life that, you know, is there something going on between, uh, you and uh, 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 your employer or your father, whoever it is. I mean, and they'll, they'll say that, and a lot of times they'll, they'll respond and say yes. Yeah, there is, and, and they'll continue on, and they will pray, and they will see God come and touch lives. Now, let me tell you something. That's a risk, going up to somebody that you... It's, it's one thing to go up to somebody that you know and that you love and, and, and pray for them. But to somebody that you don't even know, especially if you're a person like me, I tend to be quiet, you know? It's hard for me to talk to people that I don't know, you know? I can talk to my friends, fine, sometimes too much, but it's hard for me to talk to people that I don't know. But to go up to somebody in the street and to do that and then to jump out and take a risk, say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian, I believe that God still heals today. 
And um, it's okay if we pray for you. How many want to go out and do that right now? Yeah, most of us don't think so. God's in the business of healing. The thing is, how does he do it? He does it through his church. He wants to use you. He wants to use me. He wants to use each one of us. So I want to challenge you. When you have somebody at work, or you have a friend or a family member, and God presents an opportunity where they need healing, take a risk. Just say, can I pray for you? And when you do, I'm not saying don't say prayers of intercession or, you know, we don't want to tell people not to take medicine or anything like that. But consider just maybe God wants to use you to say, fever be gone in Jesus' name. Illness be gone in Jesus' name. Go. Try that a few times and see if what happens. Somebody went to John Wimber once and said, you know, I prayed for a bunch of people and, and I've not seen any, you know, I've, I, I've not seen any get healed. It was like, like probably 20 people or whatever and nothing. He goes, go out and pray for 500 and then come back. Because when you get that one, it's going to set a fire under you. All right. Can we have the worship team come up? Begin to look in the scriptures, read scriptures of healing, read stories of healing, read stories where Jesus healed, read stories where, where uh, um, the disciples healed and, and, and healing took place in the early church. It will build your faith. And, and uh, read real life stories, read stories of the guy, of, of people like John G. Lake. You ever hear of John G. Lake? He was a healing evangelist back in the whatever hundreds. Um, I mean, I, but was it 1800s? I can't remember. But I mean, he had such a tremendous anointing for healing on him. They put the plague on him and put it under a microscope. And when they put the plague on his hand, it died. It died. I mean, there are there are all kinds of... And they're not just stories, they're documented. You know, I've got a folder in my office like this, and a lot of it is, you know, stories of, uh, of people that operated in gifts of healing and gifts of miracles and signs and wonders and so forth in throughout church history, from the early church fathers on through present day. God hasn't changed. He doesn't, he, he hasn't changed. He's not just like, oh, I'm going to do this for a little while, and then I'm going to leave them on their own. God wants to use his church. So I want to encourage you. And don't think it's everybody else. God wants to use the person that's sitting in your seat or standing in your shoes. 
we're going to go ahead and have the ushers come and, and collect the tithes and offerings. Um, when the ushers pass their bags, if uh, uh, you would take your green card and put that in there, we would appreciate it, and we'll get it to the right people. Um, we'll make sure it gets to where it needs it to go. If you're visiting with us today, first time you're here, uh, if you would take your green card, rather than putting it in the bag when it comes by here, your way, just take it out here.